What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular attenders and Mark Sherry of New Hill Church. Um, he is <laughs> losing his title of member of the month uh, for this podcast. I, I clicked record like five different times and he'd start to say something. And I'm like, let me just get through. Um, but yes, this is a podcast for the members and regular attenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor of New Hill Church. I've got Gary Fox. Associate Pastor of the Month, three months in a row with me, and Mark Sherry with us today. So Michael just notified me that he created a uh, reserved seat for me by the bathrooms or outside in church due to my interruptions. This is true. Put you by the window. Uh, The one one where the gutters like just like overflowing with water. Man, guys, that was miserable on Sunday, walking out to snow after first service. Even oh, before man. first service. I'm getting cold just thinking about it. It was raining. And yeah, but after first service, oh, we got the slush. Oh. And right there, like, obviously we didn't have any, like, salt down. Who would have thought you needed that May 2nd or 9th, May 9th? You want to know why I became uh, Associate Pastor of the Month for the third straight month? Because you're the only Associate Pastor. I, 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 <laughs> no. Yes. I ran to the garage and got some salt. I'm thinking, And as I was doing it, it was raining, sleeting, and... I'm thinking, what is going on here? This is the end times, man. Judgment, man. Hundred, yeah, the the uh, what is it? The white stones that weigh a talent, or the hailstones that weigh a talent. That's what. That's right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Get ready. Well, for the sake of time, we've got a lot to go through. Um, just we've started, Mark. I don't know if you noticed. You've been gone for a few weeks. Um, if you've listened to our podcast, Florida. you know Georgia, Savannah. Or, or no, you were in Savannah. Eighty degrees plus. So nice. nice to come back to snowy Ohio. Good mm-hmm. for you. You brought it with you. Mm-hmm. We've been recapping at the beginning of these just uh, Sunday's message uh, this past Sunday. Uh, pretty straightforward, but a great text, Acts 2, 42 through 47, um, talking about um, the early church um, and, and the things that they were devoted to. And just a good picture, honestly, of, of what we should strive to do um, and again, we've let the world really influence uh, how we worship and what we do. Um, but man, great unity uh, to be found in this passage. Was there anything that stood out to you guys? Anything that um, you all thought, man, like, I don't know, well, kind of moved upon you, you know, since the Spirit is inside of all believers now? That's right. It, so. The um, one, one big thing about just, it's kind of like a, unspoken thing but it needs to be spoken today like it's unspoken in the text it's implied and that is that there were people that had money to be able to sell their stuff to support their brothers right Mm -hmm. and so if you don't have that then none of them would have been supporting anybody and they would have all been languishing in poverty and so uh, the fact that that those people had resources to be able to do that is a blessing of God and that's how we should view our prosperity, um, both like locally, but then also in, we got brothers and sisters around the world who we can help and support and so forth, and not to look at wealth as a bad thing or something that is, um, it just depends on what you're doing with it. Yeah. They were willingly. <clears throat> sacrificially. Yeah, yeah, sacrificially selling to make sure that their brothers and sisters had enough to hang on. Um, and so yeah. you see the generosity, but you have to have something to be generous with in order to be generous. That's the first step to generosity is having the means to be able to do that. And so I just think that that's an, I, I'm going to touch on that in a few weeks for the three people listening to this. I'll be preaching in a few weeks and don't talk, give the date. 
I don't even know the date. Don't, so. don't give it. But it's out of Act Six where it talks about the distribution to the widows and so forth. You know, I mean, you, you um, socialism is sin. That's why my big takeaway. That that was you know I'll tell you, <laughs> that was that was one of the best sermons, mm-hmm. and, and it was very encouraging. And the two things that stuck out to me were one, you very strategically dismantled socialism and communism in a way that I think most people don't think naturally. So I appreciate right. that. And then the, the, the capstone, the icing on the cake, was when you talked about people being added to the church, how then Ben and Nicole got baptized right afterwards. That was, it all culminated in that. Here's the continuation of They got added, added in as members. As members, right. yes, which was beautiful to me. Yeah. It, it is. And the thing, you know, the charge a lot of times when people resist or say things about uh, socialism liberalism progressivism is that you you don't care you don't care about the poor no that is not true and that's not what we're saying well especially as christians right as christians we very much care there could be a capitalist who's not a christian and doesn't care about the poor but you know for christians i think like it that's what stood out to me and why it was so important to to mention or the pressure sometimes is like you're a christian right you're a follower of jesus yeah well then why would you be against all these social welfare programs? Why would you, you know what I mean? Don't you care? Doesn't the Bible say to do that? It's right. like, no. Bible has nothing to do with the government orchestrating any of this. It's the purview of the church and the generosity and it's an act of, of God's worship. people. Yeah, That's giving. Right. In an act of, of sacrificial worship to God and care and love. Um, for their fellow man. That is not socialism. Two more things. um, Things that were kind of left out, uh, because that's kind of the point of this too, is uh, we're able to ask whoever preached that morning uh, some things that maybe you didn't hit on. In the giving, so I talked about how uh, the early church specifically was persecuted because of their faith. We experience that some here. Uh, We're going to experience it more and more, I think, as things progress uh, further in the end times, because we're already in the last days. Um, have been for a long time but um, so they lived in poverty and mostly um, and then a lot of people were being persecuted losing jobs maybe didn't have as much so they were taking care of their brothers and sisters also interestingly enough there's a lot of prophecy that pointed to um, 70 AD uh, beforehand and I was actually talking to, to Mark about this like how bad of an investment it would have been to buy <laughs> property from the Jews or yeah. whatever. Like they're selling it off. They're like, gotcha, sucker. Like that's not going to be worth anything. Not you think, you think Do- on Dogecoin is up now? You better sell it <laughs> before Bitcoin it becomes Jerusalem of 70 AD. Um, so that was actually a point that came up in commentaries that um, the the early church understood, I think, the destruction that was, that was coming too. So it was like they were selling and caring for. And maybe... It, some of the commentaries mentioned a bad. They could have had a bad view that um, it was coming to an end. They didn't really know what the destruction looked like. Maybe if it was the end, right. um, and we know that it. it yeah, it they wasn't. could have been thinking of that in terms of the second coming. Yeah, but it, it doesn't take away from sacrificial giving, which leads me to my second point. After first service, and I mentioned it in second service uh, because of this, I was talking to um, one of the brothers that's been attending our church, and he asked um, if giving. I, I'm trying to think how he worded it, but pretty much like. So is it true sacrificial giving just to give? And I said, no. Um, I had to like have him rewarded a little bit, but I think he made a great point that just because you give doesn't mean it's sacrificial too. So 
um, we we urge and um, encourage one another to sacrificial giving. But just because you write a check or just because you show up to volunteer doesn't mean it's out of sacrifice or as an act of worship to God. Um, a lot of us need to to do these things, I think, with joy. I think Paul talks about these yes. things, like doing it with... Um, like even when he talks about giving, uh, God loves a what? Cheerful, cheerful giver. Yeah. He doesn't love a giver. He right, loves a right. cheerful giver, which is interesting because then Paul says, pray that amount in your heart. You'll hear Pastor Gary mention, just start giving $2 a week. Like that, that won't break the bank. But Yeah, because a lot it, of times people think, oh, I can't afford 10%, whether that's a legitimate issue or not. They'll say it. Can you afford a dollar? Like why is it zero? I can't tithe, quote unquote tithe, so I don't give anything. And I always push on that. Can you put in a dollar? Then what about five dollars? Just start getting yourself in the habit of giving to the mission. Yeah. That we're on mission here. So and some people trying- may not be able to afford it at first because you're getting into church, maybe you've been in church, but you're starting to see, you know, the truths of all scripture popping out to you. You're in debt, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah, you're like no, you're trying to work that but, often. But if you have a Netflix, Hulu, and Prime subscription and, and you cigars, can't give a dollar, then there's a problem. Something's going on, right. But it's whenever I see that, you can see a light bulb almost always go off. Like my part is not zero. Right. Right. And it's not an all or nothing. Dude, just start it the issue is just having faith, like Peter walking on the water with Christ. He did that for a minute. Then he started to lose faith and sink. But he did do that for a second. He stepped out of the boat. Trust God. I remember when I was a little kid, my parents get saved. My dad, he's an all or nothing guy, but he's an all guy. You know, nothing is never like, he was never like nothing. It was like, Billy, we're giving 10% start. And she about had, and my mom was a pretty submissive wife. And she about had a cow right there. She's gotten more fussy in her older age, but back then she thinks she doesn't listen. She she does. She back then she, dad 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 was dad right? right, and she did. She was mad, stomped around, slamming pots and pans. And, you know, like we don't have the money for this. My dad said we're doing it, and that was it. And now you talk to her, thirty some years later or whatever. And she says that was God has blessed us mm. and blah, on and on That's and right. on. Like she awesome. would never think about not doing that. But it is an issue, especially when you're a new Christian. It's like ooh, I mm-hmm. mean it it hits you yeah. hard. Right. So start where you can. If it's a buck, if it's ten bucks, whatever you you know, and just say God, I want to start moving in this direction of sacrificial giving. Maybe I don't get my Starbucks this week. Whatever the deal is. He will be faithful. He does never, ever does he neglect his own. He is he'll you 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 can't the old saying you cannot outgive God is true. It's just true. And yeah. we're not pushing the prosperity gospel. No. No. God God is going to make you wealthy if you give. But there, I think every Christian who has given can testify to God's graciousness in giving more. I mean, to some degree at different times, there is some kind of principle when you give with a cheerful heart. Uh, you know, you tend to receive. You do. I mean, in, it's in just, general, there's something. The, there. the problem with the prosperity gospel is it, it's it's a hyper. It's like a perversion of a true. There's 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 a root in there that there there's some truth in that. Yeah. And then you run wild to where it's like not only will my needs be provided, but I can fly in a jet Lear airplane and right. all this nonsense that God never promises, but He does promise 
to provide for all of our needs according to his yeah, riches and glory. Right. That is, that's a promise. All of man. our I'm needs. Guaranteed. All of our needs. That's what Underline that word. Tough time understanding now. So, because for the sake of time, and is I know. really? No. I was going to say totally what? Kidding. I know Mark's going to have to bounce here in a little yeah. bit. So. We want to beat him up here, so we want to talk about Israel. Yeah, Israel, some of the uh, current events. But what is the church's uh, relation to Israel? How should we view Israel? Um, I'm just gonna kind of open it up for you guys. It, it, if you all uh, have been keeping up with recent news um, in the midst of all the vaccine push and and things uh, that the media is putting out there, you're also seeing. Um, some events transpiring, uh, not just gas shortages, but things going on in the Middle East. Um, and it raises the question of, of what should we do, right. not just as a nation for Israel, like what should the United States do? Should we be supporting? Should we fight for them? Um, but how's the church view Israel today? I, I, first, I just want to mention that there, there's some areas of I don't know, I guess disagreement or different orthodox views yeah, within right. Within the scope of historic orthodoxy, there's been a number of, I would say, even compelling views. It's not an easy discussion, but at New Hill Church, there are a number of things that we hold in common, and I think we should, off the bat, just say we're, like, these issues that we have in common. One of the disagreements amongst the broader view of Christianity, there's oh, can, been... Can you hold on... Uh, Orthodox view, by the way, just for our listeners, because right. sometimes we use these words and even that one seems simple to us as we talk. That's just a sound view. Like, we wouldn't call you a heretic. You go out there, we could agree to disagree in the most real sense of that. Right, um, there's not, not a Christian. People, you... even within our church family, and you're going to hear that uh, as this podcast progresses, some of our views, but um, sorry, the, one of the big a, things. A classical view, which is... If you were raised this way, you think this is just the way people have always thought. But yeah. for the last hundred years, there's been a view known as dispensationalism, or 150 years maybe. Um, and it's very, very influential in Baptist circles, historical, I don't know what the Methodists are now anymore, but they used to be more this way. Um, Pentecostals are oftentimes pretty dispensational, fundamentalists, so forth. And that's a view, and I won't get into all the dispensationalism, but just as regards to Israel, that, that there is a firm and hard distinction between Israel and the church, and that God has a special plan for Israel that is unique. There may be some over, overlap, but there is a unique plan, uh, a unique covenant for Israel that doesn't apply to the church whatsoever, and that the church, Israel, even in heaven, are going to be distinct from each other, and so forth. We don't hold that view. I don't know of anybody in our church that does. Um, we believe in there being one, one covenant, yeah. one people right. of God based on a covenant of grace. Um, and I like the way the, that Mark describes this. With There's two administrations or, or two um, ways, I guess, in which, or, uh, or peoples that he administers that through. The Old Testament uh, would have been known as Israel, and now in the New Testament we were in the New Covenant referred to as the church, but there's only one people of God, and there's only one way to be saved. Um, there's no, you know, uh, being being circumcised and being an Orthodox Jew and being an ethnic Jew does not um, grant any, there's nothing meritorious about it. There's nothing uh, there's salvific about, about that at all. Um, 
another view that I think that I, I don't think I know that we all have in common is because of that, Jews, unsaved, unchristian Jews, are not going to heaven. They need to be converted. That, believe it or not, is a point that gets argued amongst in some circles, whether or not we should be trying to convert Jews to Christ. And the answer is absolutely yes, that if they, um, if they die without Christ as their Savior, like anybody else, they're going to go to hell, and they need to become Christians. They'll right. be Jewish Christians, but they need to be Christian. Um, and so that stuff, is there anything else that I could think, you know, big stuff that would be maybe distinguish New Hill from some other groups that we have in common? Um, I mean, those are the now. big things, and those are the most important. I, I would argue, I mean, I'd go to the mat for Well, yeah, I that. mean, I remember a guy in West Virginia arguing with me that, that all Jews are going to heaven. They're just blinded right now. Right. And it's not, so that's not their fault. But what we're talking about this Sunday um, is, well, I mean, and, and another place too, times of, Paul talks about times of ignorance God's overlooked. Um, Acts 3, where we're at uh, this Sunday. Um, Paul talks about that veil, or not Paul, uh, Peter. And he doesn't mention the veil, but he, he mentions that um, they acted in ignorance and killing the author of life. Um, because this was God's uh, foreordained plan um, that his son would be despised, uh, he'd be, you know, um, the sacrifice for his people. Um, but what he says, so he says, uh, you acted in ignorance, but then he says, so repent now. Like, now's the time you repent and you be refreshed. And I think that's somewhere between, like, verses 17 through 21. Um, I might be, like, right on the money there. Uh, Acts 3, 17 through 21. So he talks about this. This act of ignorance, uh, which means pretty much they don't know. But if you guys know, we've I've mentioned this uh, analogy before. If you didn't see the speed limit sign uh, was 35 and you're going 45, they and you tell care. the cop, oh, I, I didn't see the sign, and genuinely you didn't see the sign, they don't care. You still broke the law. Right. So um, they still need to repent. I thought of the other issue that we would all agree on, and that is that there has never been a point where God has not had a redeemed Jewish people. In other words, there have been throughout, all the way going back to the apostles, there have always been Jewish Christians. So there's always been a remnant, even though they're a minority now, and they really were almost from the beginning, but there's always been a remnant of saved Jews, Jewish right. people who are, and that's an important point, because there's no disconnect, therefore, between the church and Israel, no matter how you divvy this stuff up, nobody can say that there's no there's no bridge there, there's no connection there. There always has been a remnant of saved, born-again, spirit-filled, Bible-believing, Bible-thumping Jews. So then one of the places where we start to, you start to get a few different views uh, within the scope of Orthodox beliefs. Um, when did the church start, Mark? Yeah, so I, I think there's enough agreement that I hold with you guys where um, I think we can be compatible overall. We do mm -hmm. have some, some disagreements. I, I believe that uh, the church is uh, the body of Christ. Uh, the church is the elect of God. So you have the invisible and you have the visible church. The invisible church, I believe, is 
all the people spanning this first saved person, Adam, all the way to the last regenerate person who uh, consist of the body of Christ. And then you have the visible church. And in the old covenant church, it was, you know, the assembly. Some of them are elect, some of them are not. I believe that translates into new covenant as well, where you have the visible church, you have those who are elect and saved and those who are not. Um, so that's, that's, where, where I line up on when the church began. Now, is there something that happened at Pentecost in Acts 2? Absolutely. There is a manifest uh, outpouring of, of God's Spirit on the people, and there's a growth and expansion in the church. So I, I hold to something. Well, in the way the church worshiped, too. I yeah, mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, de definitely. I mean, there, there were... It wasn't um, just in Jerusalem at that point. Now it starts to go it, out to the ends of the earth. Like, yes. not just the gospel going to the ends of the earth and them not having anywhere to go. Right. Uh, churches being born and planted all over. So, and including Jew, or I mean Gentiles without being circumcised. Like that's a mess. I mean, to us, we take that for granted. That was a major shift in thinking and worship in, in um, culture, like, like the, the culture of the people of God and how we view that. You know, the fact that you got uncircumcised Gentiles now that are brothers was yeah. a very foreign and ended up getting a whole lot of people killed. So we're not a part of the circumcision party? No. Okay. Um, what, you were going to say something else. I, I was just going to say a couple good analogies for, for helping to understand this is one, you know, if you were to uh, look at where the light was, where the saved were, uh, before... In the Old Testament, if you were to take a picture of the world, you'd see this little candle, so to speak, in Israel. If you if you want to experience redemption, be forgiven, know Yahweh, you really have to integrate into Israel. There's Cross that little light. candle, right? And then the new covenant comes. Christ fulfills the promises uh, in the old covenant. He is the only true Jew. He's the only Israel of God. And then those who are in him in the New Testament, there's this explosion. And now instead of this candle just in Israel, you have the, the, the full sun in the sky shining down. Uh, John Calvin used the analogy that when you walk into a dark room, uh, the furniture is all still there. Everything, uh, the, the substance of the covenant was really there, but it's dark. They, they couldn't see it that well. And then in the New Covenant, the light's turned on and you can see all the furniture. You can see things as they are. So it was all there, but it was in, you know, kind of veiled darkness. Whereas in the New Covenant, you have this, this veil lifted. Um, and so if I, if I could, since I have about 10 minutes here, <clears throat> you know, my, my thoughts on, on Israel as a nation today, I think it's important to delineate between, you know, practice and, and theology. So in practice, because... I, I believe that Hamas and the Palestinians not only have a, uh, an evil form of government, but their ideology is, is evil as well, their, their religion. And so I, I, I will not support them for that reason. Um, Israel, I don't think that, you know, they're also an apostate nation. Mm -hmm. And so they, they do not have claim to the land, in my opinion. Um, so if I could read <clears throat> something from Joshua 21, and this is repeated multiple times in the Old Testament. It says, uh, verse 43, Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. 
and the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given them all the enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. So in my, in my framework, when I look at the scripture, God had fulfilled his promises to his people. And, there, there's, and then when Christ comes, he is the true fulfillment of all of it. He is the people. He is the land. He is the rule. And, and we engrafted into him, in his body, the church, we have all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. And, and so I don't, I, I don't think, you know, this is where uh, Pastor Gary and I disagree a little bit on the land. What do you um, think about the land? Do you have a, you're like the, are you the neutral party here? Do you have an opinion? My I mean, Pastor Michael. Yeah, I don't, I don't particularly see like anything else to like unfold with the land. Um, I could probably be persuaded either way. Um, because I think there's good arguments on both sides, just kind of like, I mean, because this has to do with end times. Like, I mean, if yeah, if you believe that there is, Amen. is, is still um, some kind of promise uh, to come from or to be fulfilled with the land, then you would believe, like, it's still to come, so you're keeping an eye on the land. Um, I, at, at the very least, agree with Mark on... Everything. It's it's their land and yeah I mean like it, I agree it with Mark on all the stuff he's right about yeah on all that he's like right two about sentences man but yeah so I mean the the big thing is is it being opened up and yeah I mean I, I see the point of like um, they were given the land and all these things you know came to pass um, yeah I I don't see it, all right in my view what I've read I'm not convinced that there's something else to happen with the land. I mean, just to be completely blunt. If, if I could piggyback off that, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of evidence in the New Testament that we, we are inheritors of the earth. And in Romans 4.13, it says, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is, if, you know, we're, we're uh, squabbling over a little strip of land. Christians, believers, Jew or Gentile, pa- Palestinian Christians or not, and there are Christians in Palestine. Oh yeah, we're going to inherit the world, and and so my I take the classic reform view on that the the church is the continuation uh, of Israel expanding. Not the church is not replacing Israel. The church has expanded with the inclusion of Gentiles, and um, and one day I do believe, and many in the reform community like so Calvin did not believe this, but. Jonathan Edwards, most of the Puritans, uh, you, you've got a lot in the Reform community who believe there will be a mass conversion of the Jews at the end time. They will be engrafted back into the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that's that's highly likely uh, substantiated from Scripture, and you can make a great case for that. So, so this isn't a it, trick question. It really isn't. I'm curious. Right. When it talks about Revelation 21 of the New Jerusalem coming down, because we are going to inherit the whole earth, yeah. right? Do you believe that that new Jerusalem is going to come down and land on physical Jerusalem today? So, like, do you believe that Jerusalem as we think of it today is going to be the capital city, you know, a new Jerusalem, but on the same land? Yeah. So, you might not like my answer, and it's 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 developing, but I'm starting to understand Revelation uh, 21 as an unfolding of church history. So, on the four views of Revelation. Uh, I, I, I tend more towards the partial preterist view, 
which is that much of the prophecies had been fulfilled in 70 AD. But my take is that the, the New Jerusalem is the church. It's the body of Christ. And I don't think it's going to be this physical coming out. Of, again, to me, the book of Revelation is highly symbolic. It starts so off. So even the measurements. Yes, it's all symbolic to me. Because when you look, when you look at the type and anti-type, you see throughout scripture these sacrifices, the temple, you know, the measurements. Everything was, was very specific, but it all pointed towards Christ and his people. And, and the temple has been growing in history. You have the garden was a temple. You have the ark was a temple. Uh, it goes to Abraham and the land as the place. And then it, it gets into the tabernacle and the temple and Ezekiel's or Solomon's temple, then Ezekiel's temple. It's growing in, and it's growing and it's growing. And then you have Revelation, and it's going to be a hundred, you know, it, it's way bigger than Ezekiel's temple. And it's talking about the expansion of the kingdom of God. So if we're going to say that the, uh, the temple is going to be, what is it, 144,000 miles or whatever? I read that it, the, it was like, it's a if it was in Earth, if it, if it, or if, like, it would be like from the East Coast of the United States to, I think, the Mississippi River, and then basically the border of Canada down to Florida, that, that you know, basically that much land, and then that much high. It, it's cute, right, it's cute. Right. It's, it's cute, Massive. equal on all men. So, I, it, being it's coming from the book of Revelation, seeing the symbolism used there, and the progression of the nature of those uh, types throughout history, I think that it points all to the anti-type, to Christ and his people, and there is no temple. There is, you know, we the, the city is the church. It's the people of God, and we have come to Mount Zion. So I see that as an unfolding of church history. As of now, I can be corrected. We um, got time. We got time. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> not, not, not if we're in the, the last days, Gary. Buddy, not, yeah, buddy. Not with this Israel conflict. That, that's interesting. That um, I don't know what that view. I guess that does come out of the partial preterist. Yeah, it, it's, it's a mix of partial preterist and uh, his, the historicist view. So most of the reformers were historicists. They, they view the entire book of Revelation as just unfolding throughout history. So 700 uh, AD when you know Islam came around, they, they can point to figures, the fall of Rome in 500. You know, onward and onward. I don't hold that. Preterist says much of that was fulfilled in 70 AD. Uh, the few and and I, I'd say we're all we all have a mix of each of these views in right. in every bit of prophecy. So we're all partial preterists in that we believe Christ came, so that's been fulfilled. He came and accomplished that. Uh, we're all futurists in that we believe that Christ is coming again. He's returning. Um, you know, and and we're all historicists where we see that there's an unfolding. We're all idealists in that we can see that there is, you know, uh, parabolic nature to you know, the, the unfolding history. So. I hate that Mark has to jump right now. Don't you? Yeah, it's, pro it's probably good for my safety because you guys would probably... Well, because I want I, I, I I to respond like, and kind of give a, a counterpoint to some of that, but I hate that you're not going to be sitting here to... I'll, I'll listen to it, but right now I need a safe space because I'm feeling threatened. <laughs> you know, toxic masculinity here. They're, they're glaring at me in so, anger. So just to backtrack to the question mm -hmm. that the good reverend here gave us, I don't believe that... Um, that the I believe the church was born at Pentecost, and that something distinct and unique had happened there. In other words, that the the saints in the Old Testament, while they were alive on this earth, they were not they, they wouldn't be part of the church at that point. 
Now, they're part of the church now. There's one people of God. There's not two distinct peoples of God. How would you make this distinction, though, that they weren't a part of it? Because Christ had not yet come, had not yet atoned for their sins, and Pentecost hadn't happened. The promise of the Holy Spirit hadn't been fulfilled, which that happened in Acts chapter 2. So, I would say that those people, the Old Testament saints that were true believers, true Israel, as, as the Apostle Paul would say, that, their, that their, sal- their salvation was guaranteed to them because of God's grace through their faith and so forth, but it hadn't been accomplished yet. It hadn't happened in real time yet. So when they died, they went to a place called, oftentimes called Abraham's bosom or paradise and uh, waited and we read about th- this concept in a couple places, but we think about the rich man and Lazarus. They were they were in the grave. They were able to communicate with one another, but there was a great gulf fixed between them, uh, to where they could communicate with each other, talk to each other, but they weren't able to to be together. There was a, de- a definite uh, place of torment and a place of paradise, where, which is where Lazarus was. All of that, though, was. So the question then, as we were before we were getting recording, was like, were they saved? And, and and so I would say, in a sense, yes. In a sense, no. That the payment, in other words, for salvation hadn't yet come at the cross. And I would I would point to examples of of this kind of like yes but not yet type phenomenon, even in the New Testament era, where like in Romans chapter eight, where it talks about starting at verse twenty nine. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, past tense, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, this is the golden chain of redemption. And those whom he predestined, past tense, he also called, past tense, and those whom he called, he also justified, again in the past tense, and those whom he justified, he also glorified past tense so that's interesting way that Paul is, is is writing that because we've not yet been glorified right but it's as if it had already happened it's as good as, as if it already happened right so that's the way I would kind of describe what was going on with their salvation it was guaranteed it was going to happen and it was as good as done but it hadn't actually been done yet in real in our you know we live in a time space continuum. And so in real time, in our time, like so in other words, in the mind of God, they were saved because it was already accomplished in his eternal mind, but it hadn't yet been fulfilled. And because of that, they had to wait uh, for, the, for the Messiah to come, for their deliverer to come and to atone for their sins. And the Bible describes Christ going to them, preaching to them, releasing them, and they all going into heaven. So at that point then, now they are part of the church. So I do agree that the church is all the saints of God from Adam to the last person who will ever be saved prior to his return. That's the church. But they didn't enter into that new covenant, the benefits of that new covenant, until until Christ had died and paid for his sins, uh, paid, for, paid for their sins. Um, and so that I guess that's my, my view. I don't know. But Michael. all God's people... Across all time, from Adam to the part of very the last person, the church. They're the church, yes. But that did, so 
The question isn't, are they the church? That's a major distinction between us and dispensationalists. And some of you listening may have, depending on where you came from, you may have heard something different than that. So we're, that's where the distinction, and that's the one commonality that we would have, as I was saying earlier, there's only one people of God. Um, and in the New Covenant, it is, it is known as, revealed as the church, which was born at Pentecost on earth. Um, and, they were, and they were then Christians. Because Christ went to them, announced who he was. Of course, they received him and, and entered into what we would now call heaven. Just like all of our, you know, everyone, every Christian that's died since Pentecost goes straight to heaven. They receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. They're sealed for, you know, for heaven. So is there anything you believe an ethnic Jew gets that the church doesn't? <sighs> I do think that they have right to the land. I believe that promise was a was a literal, physical promise to the the the, the um, to the heirs of Abraham. Um, that now that's a mouthful what I just said because people have ran wild with that view to the point where you can't question Israel. Was that your land? Huh? Is that your land too? Do you have a right to that land? No, I don't believe in the same way that the that the that the Jew that the Jewish people have that that pro, that was promised to them, to a people, um, <clears throat> to what people? God's people, right? That was promised to. In the ultimate sense, yes. So there won't be any un. See, I, I very much do disagree with my brother, who I love and would die for, and would do anything for. But I do disagree with Mark that I do believe that the New Jerusalem is a physical place and it's going to come out of heaven and it's going to land so to speak um on that land it's going to it's going to israel it's going to be over jerusalem and it's obviously as we said it's massive so it's going to cover more than jerusalem but it'll be the capital city on the new earth um and so at that point you know there won't be any unregenerate or unbelieving or unchristian jews in that land so in the ultimate sense we will all you know jesus says he's going to prepare a place for us i believe that is the new jerusalem it's his father's house there's many mansions many dwelling places and so we will be there um but the but that land because as christians as gentiles i should say christians we get grafted in to those promises as like adopted sons so that's what i'm saying like do you think that the land promise applies to the church today also today no but to ethnic jews yes so what would be the distinction there because i mean if we're grafted in if we're all one body then why is it for them because we're called um we're heirs of the promise right to abraham we will receive that that in other words the fulfillment of that promise hasn't happened yet the new jerusalem and so till that point just like and just like just like in the old testament that land was the jewish land it was it, so. Even if somebody was a proselyte and became a God fearer, and, and and began to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that didn't not give them any claim to that land. So I do believe that, that and there was a prom, it's promised to them. Um, in this, if you want to say word dispensation, or in this age, this this time period prior to the second coming of Christ, that it's theirs. They have a right to it by God giving it to them. Um, and I believe that's his prerogative and it's his right. 
I do think that... Uh, so how do we make the distinction on that promise alone being for them? Because you would say that all the other promises are for us. All the promises are for God's people, ultimately. Even the land. Yes. So I guess that's what I'm saying is like, because... And if you're listening here like wondering, like, why does this matter? Because I'm, I'm trying to make the distinction, like, why, why is it that the land is only for ethnic Jews, but, but not for all of God's people? Because if, if we're one body, not two separate bodies... Um, Paul talks about us being heirs. He talks about us being one body. But, like, I guess my question is, like, why do we get so hung up on on that being the only it's thing that's, like, like, only for them? Because he's... Here, let me read this real quick. And then um, Ephesians 3, 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, which would have been, like, a uh, stinger for any oh, yeah. non-believing Jew. So this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So the gospel is what grafts us in. Right. Um, and then some branches were broken off. Right. Oh, yeah. Tree. Thrown into the fire. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. Um, ultimately, we will inherit that land. Ultimately, that's going to be when Christ returns with the new Jerusalem. So it's not... But in the meantime... That land in this, when I say dispensation, I mean this fallen world that we're living in, both Old and New Testament, that just this era that we live in prior to the restoration of all things. Um, yeah, I do believe that that land was promised to them. The problem then gets to the point where, where you will then, and we've seen this, where everything, like, like that means, therefore, the United States government needs to be giving them all kinds of military uh, weapons and bombs. We have to. Because if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. If you curse Israel, you'll be cursed. That's the logic. That's the thinking. Mm -hmm. And that everything Israel does, don't question it. And that's not true. They should be held accountable just like everybody else. They are apostate. They're definitely apostate. When I'm, I'm talking about unregenerate, unsaved, non-Christian Jews, they are apostate. They received the oracles of God. They received the prophets. They, Christ himself was a Jew. Paul says that he came to the Jew first, then to the Greek, or to the Gentile. And so um, they're apostate. That land is theirs by God, given to them by God. Um, and so in as far as they're under threat of having that land taken from them, we should uh, we should defend them as an ally, but that doesn't mean that we give them a blank check either. Right. Um, I mean, what I guess what's interesting to me, and and we're like, I'm just being transparent for the listeners too, um, because I struggle with this one. Not that like we shouldn't care for them. Um, they're not brothers, right? Um, they're like not. You, you mentioned that, that they're apostate. Yeah, yeah, the only brothers and sisters are those who are in Christ and Christ in them. Um, but it goes to like things like you know Paul talking about us being grafted in. Then Romans nine, Romans nine through eleven, those three chapters are very um, focused on right. this transition from not just ethnic Israel but to God's people, those who have faith. Um, mm -hmm. But he says here in, in Romans nine uh, six. I'll try and stop without going too far. Um, but it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who were descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all who um, are children of Abraham, sorry, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. 
but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. So, I, like I said, I, this is just where like I have a tough time, and and I still fall on, and maybe this is just my upbringing, you know, like protect them. I agree with you, like not the blank check kind of thing. Um, but like, it's just interesting how like that's the one that's for them, and the rest is for us. And I know what you're saying, like we'll get like. You know, New Jerusalem. Yeah, we're grafted in that land. So, in other words, God's not done with that land. It's not. It, it's like same thing. What I was just saying about in Romans eight, where it's, it's like all these things are spoken of in the past tense, even though God predestined us in eternity past. But it, it's like it's fulfilled in His mind because He doesn't look at time like we look at. He doesn't experience time like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then, but then there's the question too: is like, where's the command? To protect the land for us. Well, throughout all all the nations are commanded to protect them. Protect the land. To pro- yeah, yes. Protect them in their land. In other words, to invade Israel and to run them out is a curse. Like that is that is not good. Because right, it's God a curse. Gave- but like, where's the command to like that we should take up and fight? Because so this is what I'm sure. So I, wish, I, I wish Pastor Simon was on here too because we were talking about this and. Um, I know you and you and Simon, you know, agree on the nuances where like Mark and I kind of fall more on the same page. But um, I mentioned that like because even in, in talking to Mark before this was, you know, he says, you know, they earned that land. And I would say that they didn't earn that land. I think when you look at the Old Testament, God, I mean, again, God fought for them a lot right. of times. Like, yes. and, and again, God's entire redemptive plan is he's choosing the least likely, he's choosing the weak to do what? To display his glory and his yes. power. Um, so, like, again, I argue that they didn't earn the land because God God got it for them. It's God's land. So this is where you could say, like, that's why we should fight for it because it's God's land. Um, but I would go to the point where I say, like, it, well, if God still has a plan and a promise for it, we don't have to fight, mainly because I don't see a command to fight for the land. So if this is God's land, he wants it, he's going to keep it. But, I mean, that's, that's kind of... So those are two of the distinguishments. I don't see a command for us to defend it. Though, again, like Mark said earlier, I'm all for... The command is to land. bless them. The command is bless them, and if you don't, you'll be cursed. So, th- I mean, the logical... I, but that's God's people, I'll right? have to come back. I'll have okay. to come back to... I'm sure there's examples. I respect examples. that, yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think of examples off the top of my head. This is a but, huge topic. Yeah. So, to defend them... Okay... That's not the same thing as to give them a blank check. So we're talking about defending an ally. If you're able to doing that, you should do that. So where does it say to defend them? I will come back next week and give you a better answer. Because so what if what if they're what if they're vi- I, I welcome back. Just jump back in. Sorry. <laughs> what if they're violating human rights? What if they're in the wrong? Oh no, he agreed with right. me. Right. Oh, okay. No, no, okay. You, so you, so he already hit that. Okay. Right. Okay. That's an important distinction because a lot of our dispensational friends. They will give them a blank check. So, so and, and Israel I'll, wants I'll, news, I'll throw give this them out news. To, to get you caught up. Um, and just a quick recap, and everybody who's listening, maybe just to, to kind of process it again too, is so my question would be, um, are we commanded to protect that land? So I don't see a command to protect the land. And and we Agreed. get a lot of commands, right? Yep. Um, so so that would be a question. And what was the other question I, I posed? And what did Gary say? Well, he said he'd have to 
come back. Oh, okay, but, well, okay. well, no, his answer to that is um, bless and do not curse them. Right? I'm looking. Yeah, that, pretty much. Pray for the peace of Israel. I'm, I'm just. So and, and for me, that all has to do with a lot of Old Testament, like, th- and it was God's people. So and then I that that was the other thing. Um, our why is that the one blessing or promise that we aren't heirs of? Because that seems to be the separation for anybody who falls on this other side of like, you know, like the land matters. And I'm not saying it doesn't. Um, but I asked, is that blessing to us? And he would say, no. Like New Jerusalem, yes. Like he, so he, he differed from you that yeah. New Jerusalem will come down there. It'll be planted there. But uh, my question is like, how do we, how and why do we make the distinguishment that the church, like God's, all of God's people across all time, that we don't so, all receive that blessing. Off the top of my head, though, just to answer that question, the way I would describe it is if, if you believe that that land in this dispensation, in this time, by dispensation I'm using that word like in this fallen age, all the way from Abraham, like Old and New Testament, prior to the restoration of all things, so however you want to use the word dispensation, like this era, that... Um, if you believe that that land was reserved for the Jewish people, given to them by God, right? If you believe that, then the natural response would be you would defend that. So, so Gary, on that point, is there is there a contingency on them being on the land? What do you mean? So, so let me maybe no. Ask them getting so, run out is an act of punishment. Right. So, are they in obedience right now? No. So, do they deserve the land? No more so than in the Old Testament when they were taken into exile. So, and, and again, I, I, so in other I'm words, not, it's almost like it's a sin for them to be taken out of the land, but it's also an act of judgment upon God. So it's almost like, do you deserve or whatever? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like asking, do you deserve any blessing? But, but, you see what but, I'm but, saying? But they're, but they're inhabiting the land was always linked to their obedience. Yes. Their covenant faithfulness. So they're being covenant, covenantally con- unfaithful. So God has that right to take that, right? He has, he has that right. right to do that. I don't believe that humans do. In other words, I believe the Babylonians were cursed for what they did. I believe that Rome yeah, was absolutely. cursed for what they did. Yes. Destroying the temple. All these things. So these nations that opposed Israel right simultaneously they, were fulfilling God's judgment on them right yet they're being judged yeah because for it yeah yeah so that's how I would look at that so it's like when, when you okay. ask like deserve or or it's like no <laughs> no there, there, but there are you would agree there are conditions for them staying in the land and they are not fulfilling those conditions now when I when I say that I don't mean again I am pro-israel in contrast to other surrounding nations, right? Yeah, so I like them better. Yeah. But I don't see a difference between a Jewish unbeliever and a Japanese or American or Korean. Or Muslim. Any, anybody who's a... I don't see a difference. I don't think there's anything special about them. Yes, they there were advantages to the Jews. They received the oracles of God. They had circumcision. Right. right? There, were, there were advantages. The gospel came sure. to them Christ first, was a Jew. But there yeah. is no advantage outside of Christ, and there's nothing special about them. There won't be any lesser judgment, or no, no one can I claim. Agree. I'm yeah. a, I'm a we all agree with that. That right. is a hundred. Yeah. A hundred. Yeah. Like, that is, they do, there is nothing 
nothing meritorious about their blood. Right. About them being ethnic Jew does not gain them any favor with God. So let me, let me ask you, okay, so, so you have in the New Testament uh, with, with the land, particularly in Revelation, but you look at like, um, you'll live long in the land. Obey your children, obey your parents, because you're going to live long in yes. the land. Yes. Right? And, and how would you interpret those Old Testament um, fulfillment statements that Israel received every... What if, if God gave them everything he promised and he accomplished, I mean, it's over and over, I have given you everything. And, and then he says the fulfillment is in Christ. Yes. Why, would that, why would that land still be important if the, the believers are the inheritors of the earth? It's for all generations, Abraham, his seed, that was, given, that was promised to them for all generations. I believe there's an ethnic element to that part. I believe that that is their, that, that God has designated that people for that land um, the promises uh, were fulfilled obviously God was faithful to them even when they were unfaithful but that doesn't uh, when we use the word fulfilled that doesn't mean completed or done away with not necessarily no but so it, what it I'm saying is like he accomplished his purposes it's and, just and like did Christ fulfill his promise to save you Yes, and he's so, going to continue. Can you to, lose that salvation? No. no. You know, he's you know what I'm right. saying? There's so stages of, there is yeah. a fulfillment of it, but that doesn't mean it's completed or it's compl or it's done. It's over with. Now. I see. Yeah. I did my deal. It's now the deal. Now we have a new deal. Deal that old deal. It doesn't necessarily. So on some ways, in some issues, yes, but it's not a blanket. That word fulfilled doesn't always mean. So, what would be your biggest? And I'm asking you this, like, just a real question. Right. What would be your biggest thing to, to seeing that the land needs to stay in the hands of the Jews? Like, based off of Scripture. The promise to Abraham. Which was what? That land. Okay. But was that, was that the promise to Abraham? For but, his descendants, But yes. what was the end? Like, was there an ending to that? Like, what's the wording of that? Is it forever? All generations. Is it all generations. Right. But then it said, so this is what I'm saying, though, too, is... But then it says not all of Abraham's offspring are actually his. Right. So they're not all going to inherit the, full, the ultimate fulfillment of that promise. Like we're not so even. So that's what the, I'm saying. Like the promise, the concept of a promise. So we do, though. But what, Paul and we as in all Christians. Right, yes. right, yeah, yeah. So the promised land was a foreshadowing of the ultimate promised land. We're not even there yet. We're traveling there. We're going there. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. That's the promised land. The whole earth, as you mentioned, right. is ours in Christ. So, um, where was I going with that? Can, can what I, did you ask me? I asked you about the land. Um, what's the end goal for it? Like, so, oh, oh, why is this important? The other reason it's important, which is going to make Mark's nose hairs burn, they're already burned. is that there, there is fulfillment of prophecy that goes on if you're not a partial preterist in particular and I'm not and I'm familiar with it I, I almost became one there is I don't know what I am as far as we don't neither. Neither. so the point so the point <laughs> so the point the points of partial preterism many of them dealing with the destruction of Jerusalem are valid as far as I'm concerned. Right. I don't say, no, that didn't have nothing to do with it. Yep. No, I think it did have something to do with it. Yeah, most agree. But I do think that there's a there, there's a, 
a lot of prophecies would have a multiple application to one prophecy. So that's why I can't. I, I, I am it def- was an echo. In the yes, end. it's microcosm. Of it, what's it's almost like a skipping a rock on water, like pop, 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 pop. So, so let me let me ask you. So, so but it has end times implications that the Bible describes in the end times. The temple it describes Jerusalem. It describes Israel and the nations of Israel and the Antichrist. This is why Jonathan Edwards and the Puritans, I think, very wisely because this is way before 1948. They realized that there would be some sort of restoration yeah. of the nation of Israel, which right. is, I would say, prophetic, but it, I believe it's in the Bible. But so they, like, didn't, they didn't think those they prophecies were, they didn't think the land was theirs. They, they, in a sense, they spiritualized the text, but they didn't say that the, the Jews would inherit a land. They didn't come close Did to they the believe? They believed they were going back, though, didn't they? No. And no. The, they, they were, there was going to, no, the... The Jews, there was just going to be a mass conversion, and and they like the rest of the nations would would flow to the temple, right? They would, you know, Which was ten destroyed. people would grab a Jew by the skirt, so yes. to speak. But that they would they would allegorize those texts and talking about the church. So they, they didn't have a complete conversion. picture yet. So well, so let me ask you this: back to hey. Michael's question on what you had said. What's the purpose of the promise? What was God's promise? So in Paul in Galatians, Paul says. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say and to seeds as referring right. to many, but rather to one. And to your seed, that is Christ. So the promise was to Christ and those within him. It wasn't necessarily. So I guess my point would be God promised. He made the promise to Christ. For Christ, that all the families of the earth would be blessed in yes. him. In Christ and not necessarily within Abraham as if he is anything other than a redeemed human um and and god fulfills those promises throughout history and if the promise of christ i guess i'm not seeing how i, I want to see in other words i would the, say that the fulfillment of that is the new jerusalem mm, that it's that it's okay. yes all of this ultimately is only for his people right but we're not there yet and so there was there was there's a temporal application for it and then an ultimate fulfillment of it, like a foreshadowing of it, and then the ultimate fulfillment of it. Um, so is the time that they inhabit, like, is the promise that they're going to perpetually inhabit the land from yes. now until the end time? Because you said it was for the They didn't perpetually No, I know, but is that the promise going forward? Or... The promise Because even after Abraham, they lost it. Yeah, yeah they, they had lost, lost it many it times. Many yeah, times. they got yeah. sacked... Absolutely. Of times. Right. So I go back to the fact that it was like yes and yes. It's like yes, God's judgment on them, but yes, also it was a sin that it had happened, that it, it shouldn't have happened, but it was a result of their sin and of the sin of the nations that ran them out. Right. So. So you think the. But in end times prophecy, there is so much description of Israel. And this is part of the reason why, and I don't want to get way off. But like um, the amillennial view, I have I disagree with, but I have mercy on it, <laughs> especially the ones that believed in it prior to 1948, right? Because there was no Israel. If you go back, my grandma had a, a textbook from when she was little, like in 1920 something, and it had a, it was a geography book. She showed me. And there's no Israel. I don't know what they called it, Palestine, or I don't yeah, know what they yeah. called it, right? 
So you've got to. So you've got all this stuff in Revelation and the, all this stuff, right? That's that's apocalyptic in in a sense. In other words, describing these things. How do you get around the fact that there's so much talks about Israel, 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 new all these things, right? Well, there's no Israel. So you've got to. So I believe that that the amillennial view was an attempt to to rightly divide the word given that they had no reason to believe that there was going to be prior to Christ's return a physical Israel, an ethnic Israel do you realize Israel, the Jewish people Israel, ethnic people ethnic Israel is the only nation the only group of people the only ethnicity that has ever been run out and destroyed out of their land okay, and come back and reclaimed it like that. Never has that ever happened. Nobody could have ever fathomed such a thing ever happening. And, and then in 19... And there were stories too, like mysterious stories during the wars how, when they were taking back land, even afterwards, how they should have been vanquished. Mm -hmm. But they were like miraculously, miraculously saved. Like incredible, like unbelievable Unbelievably saved, yes. Yeah. So now Israel's there. And we all grew up with this. We think it's normal. It's right. not normal. No. So... Now, all of a sudden, you start looking at the prophecies of Israel in the end times, and we go, well, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, Israel's there. There is a functioning ethnic Israeli government and military. They make treaties. They have their own borders and so forth. And so this is why earlier when Pastor Michael said this deals with end time stuff, it does. Yeah. It yeah. does big time on how you come down on that. So the issue of the end, you know, end times and so forth. So, now, last point, especially to you dispensationalists that may be listening. When we're talking about always endorsing Israel. Christian Zionists. so foolish. If you land correctly on these issues, like me, <laughs> you guys are like, <laughs> We're not eye roll, just shaking eye roll. But if you do... Come down a premillennial view, which is you know the majority, but that doesn't mean anything because I'm in the minority on a whole bunch of things of Christians today, evangelicals today. You need to understand that apostate Israel is going to sign a peace accord with the freaking Antichrist for three and a half years, right? According to this view, which I believe is a biblical view, that's my contention. So when you're saying support Israel, support Israel, support Israel, you need to get your head straight because they're going to sign an, a peace accord. They're going to go into a treaty with the Antichrist. So where's all the support Israel going to be then? Folks, they're apostate. They're going to do that. I believe God's going to save them in the end. When I say them, I, I, mean, I don't mean every last individual, but as a, just kind of as a group. But uh, that Christian Zionism, that is, that is taking what I believe is, is biblical truth regarding certain promises to Israel. It. And then just like... So, I mean, and, and to your point, like, scripturally, the nation was meant to be a blessing. So, if the mm -hmm. nation's not being a blessing, they're not even within the, the purview of scripture. But, so here's my question for you then, Gary. Uh, Genesis 12.3, do you see that as, as just the nation Israel, like ethnic, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. 
and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That was, yeah, the promise to Abraham. Let me pull it up. Well, That's it's Genesis twelve three. So I, I would think Galatians three. I think that has to do with the church. Well, and Paul. I think like cursing. Yes, curse. yes, yes. No, I do think that the church. Um, which which chapter are we on? That's Genesis twelve three. Do you think? And my question is, do you think that that has to do with ethnic Israel? Um, because I would say that that was almost a foreshadow of. I mean, yes. that is a foreshadow. To I me would of say all that the church God's is 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 the fulfillment or part of the fulfillment of that promise. In other words, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through the seed of Abraham. We're grafted into that, and so we're the expression of that. And continue, and, you know, I'm not post-mill, if you're familiar with these terms, but I'm optimistic pre-mill. In other words, the advancement of the gospel is going to go worldwide. Things have gotten better, are going to continue to get better until the very end. I believe there's going to be an apostasy right at the, almost like slamming on the brakes, bam! And, and and so forth but that is the church is part of the is the fulfillment of the work of the Holy Spirit in the, through the gospel the power of the gospel to bless all the nations of the earth and I believe that's true everywhere Christianity has gotten a foothold has gotten better much better everywhere where Christianity is not uh, has no foothold is a hell hole and always has been and, you know, on the flip side of what you're saying to dispensationalists, uh, we would also want to emphasize to those who, and I've heard it said that some in my group are anti-Semites. I, I haven't really mm -hmm. met any reform guys who are. But, I, but, well, uh, Luther, Luther was then. Luther was definitely But we, we want to be careful. If, if we do say, look, there's no promise to the Jews, we want to be really careful to not become anti-Semitic in our thought process. That's a great point. Look down, like, there's, there's the flip just, side of like... So in other words, hey, you're saying just because they don't have a special promise yeah, doesn't mean they don't have any promise or no, they don't have any dignity, they're, they're lesser. They're, they're made in the image of God. And like you know, even else. Palestinians too, you know, if, even if they There's live, a lot of Palestinian Christians, by the there way. There are. Who yeah. have been rightly, have rightly have... Uh, grievances with the nation yeah, of Israel. Yes, yes. Thank you. That, that's that's the flip side. Like, let's. We got to remember that. No matter no matter the nationality, whatever your view, you you have to treat people the way God expects us to treat them, and that's with you know judicial justice and mercy accordingly. And that's that's not, and not everybody does. That. To your point, the dispensation, like go Israel in any case. Man, I'm going to about to go sideways. Guys, you guys, we're probably way over time. I'm going to go sideways. So you guys know that they call we me. Hope that you enjoy this. <laughs> you guys know they call it the conspiracies and so forth, right? And I'm 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 looking less and less goofy as days go uh, forward here. But when you hear like Donald Trump popularized the term globalism, who is he? Globalist. Uh, he was the go ahead. 46th no, continue. Continue on. The greatest president <laughs> in the history of the world. Forty-fifth and forty-seventh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, globalism. You talk about the issues like, and these are not terms I'm making up or Alex Jones made up, the new world order, globalism, world government, all of these things which I believe is foretold in Bible prophecy. We're seeing it fulfilled. I, I firmly believe that. Israel is up past their eyeballs, folks, in that. They are part of that system, and that's why they're going to sign off with the Antichrist at the end anyway. So Israel, listen, is corrupt. 
Israel is not always right on the one hand. On the other hand, you can't fire hundreds of rockets at them, okay, and then and get mad when they come and smash your mouth. Yep. They're so, going to bring the boots. So I guess I got clarification because if, if Genesis 12.3 applies to the church, you know, like the uh, bless them, do not curse them, anybody who curses you, um, so on and so forth. Uh, because I think we want to take up arms. And, and if this is prophecy for Israel and there's no, like on your side. So this is what I'm saying. So if, if there is still some kind of land promise there, um, but there's no command for us to fight for it. Because Genesis 12.3, if it applies to the church, I don't think it applies to the land. Then um, I don't think we have to take up arms. And I think like it's all going to work out. Because there's not a command, Like I don't see... Rewind the tape. Just like as far as like put yourself in my shoes, my logic, yeah. Big my shoes position. Which I didn't know. I thought Mark was going to be in the minority here today. <laughs> we, and you we, guys... We planned this. You made it to where Simon couldn't be here. <laughs> Two against one, baby. Or my brother... <laughs> My brother goes sideways. Um, <laughs> put yourself in my... So, if you believe, Mark, Michael, just assuming, uh, for the sake of argument, God promised that land to Jewish people. God did that forever right. until the second coming. Right. Then, is it not illogical to say, get your guns to defend what God promised? That's, the lo that's where people in my camp it's not even a question of like why would god not command it like it would be like if you it, that's where the crusades and all that came from because the muslims invaded jerusalem and, and and they were going the christians the catholics were going no 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 that's ours i will Through, hold up the staff and watch the fight and wait for a young young men like I mean, Aaron, it's, Aaron and her. it's a sense in which it's like you're defending God's command. Would you take up arms? Well, but does that, the Bible ever say to take up arms to defend? Uh, to defend? Um, I'm trying to think of, a, of an equivalent example. It's like a holy thing. It's just a holy thing. That's, that's the thing. When you take that view, you are di you are differentiating between Jew and Gentile, and you are making the Jew something more special. More, it, it, we need to prioritize Jews over the Gentiles. I, I think the New Testament explicitly speaks against that. Where Jew, and, there's no distinction. We're all sinners. All nations. That's a valid are, point. That is a valid point, and I need to figure out how to frame the answer to what I'm trying to say. That because that is a that is a hundred percent true. That it, there's there there is no in God's redemptive like in in, in grace uh, in His plan of redemption. There's no distinction whatsoever. But I see, what I, what I see I'm what you're falling, saying. What I'm falling back on is not everybody is gifted in the same way or in the same in the same capacities, and so so I don't look at it as if God said this is yours, this land for these ethnic people. I don't look at that as them being privileged. I mean, it's like dusty and dirty. It's just it's not even. It's a little small strip of land, right? We're not talking about. I don't look at if God's do, presuming just for the sake of argument, if that's His position, I don't look at that as some kind of advantage over them any more than like Michael. Uh, I don't care how long I trained, even if we were the same age, he is he would be more gifted at running a sprint. I mean, he were you there when he roasted uh, Josh Lopez? He actually didn't roast him, but he was barefoot. 
Is this on TikTok? I want to see this. At church. So in other words, I don't... We I guess ran my, the parking lot before service. <laughs> here's how I would... Here's maybe how I would say it. There is a distinction between Israel and the Gentiles. There's a distinction there in the Bible, Jew, Gentile. You see that. Even in the New Testament, describe, Paul describes it in Romans 11. There's, there is a object-subject distinction between the two, Gentile and Jew. In that, in 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 the um, just like there's a distinction between sense. boy and girl. Yeah, yes, we get it. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Right. Oh, and that's a but, ga- but thank you, Michael. But there's Nailed a disti- it. That is exactly right. Un- under that, there's a distinction then with each nation, right? Yes. You can categorize Jew and Gentile, yes. but then you have to categorize the different nations. Well, does the, the Bible do that? The Bible, it, it does it's Jew Testament. and Gentile. <laughs> it does. They do, but it Paul also says there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. But he also so. says between male or female. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is, there's that's what I'm saying. There is egalitarian. So right, you gotta be careful here. (laughs) Yeah, because the distinctions doesn't mean privilege per se or uh, advantage per se. It's to say, so in other words, God is the giver of gifts and He distributes them as He wills, and we don't have. So if He, presuming this, my position. Which, by the way, if you're just listening, is the majority position right now in evangelicalism. If, the, if so, is egalitarianism. You know, no, I don't care about that. Um, it so so our 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 position would say the distinction is not an issue of inferiority or superiority or anything like that. That he gives the gifts as he wills, and it's not up to us to say. I don't like that. I'm not, and you guys are not saying that. That's not your position. I mean, you would quickly, if you were convinced from the scriptures as was teaching, you you wouldn't say that's not fair. You would say, okay, I misread this or so whatever. Can I can I ask? A, okay, so and this is I might I might not fully understand you on this. So I heard you agree that their claim to the land is contingent on covenant obedience before right and well, they're and, already out of that and they're they're not in that right they're no they're, okay so they're anti-christ in that sense against christ so should we you said you also said that we shouldn't we should only fight for them under certain circumstances and i agree right. i agree oh 100 so because they're apostate they don't have claim to the land and they're covered at that time why should we go against what god says when they're breaking the covenant you know what i mean it's, it goes back to its bull. It's bull. It's a yes and yes. Like what you're saying is, yeah, it. it their I, the word right isn't the right word. Ability or their their capacity to stay in that land is contingent. Right. In other words, it's yours, but I'm taking it from you. It's yours, but I, but you don't have the power. Like you will lose the ability to hold that land mm-hmm. if you're out of covenant with me. Right. And then I will send judgment to you. But the ones doing that, the Philist- the Babylonians, Agreed. they're not blessed they're, they're, because right. they're the hand of judgment. And I'm not saying we, let's, let's so, just put So it, it's well, like, I understand your point. Why support, why not, support that, why because, and bear arms for them when they're in disobedience? So the question would be, yeah. And it's then almost like both groups put, are in disobedience. But, but only the like our, So our responsibility is... Touch not the Lord's anointed. That you know, like, that is for them, right? God, God. But that does not mean that God doesn't have the right to tell them, "I'm removing." Hold on. So, so there's my question. Where does it say that? 
Touch not. Well, that's, so a, that's for annoying. kings. That was for kings, and it, but it does have an issue. That does have to do with um, rights and authority that God established. You know what I'm saying? There, that, I'm, I'm I'm stretching the the context of that to include the people or whatever that okay. the kings represent. But I mean, I would say, like to Mark's point, like at least with Scripture, it, if they're within so covenant, in other words, like if should, God disciplines them mm-hmm. and removes them from the land. God's not wrong in doing that because the because well, he removed the Canaanites to give well, them the land anyway. Because their yes, and so their ability. I'm not using the word right. It's their still their land, their even right. when they, they even when they even when they're removed, it's still theirs. Their ability to defend it, their ability to stay rec- there, reclaim it. It's is contingent. But, but, but again, they're okay. I get I get what you're saying, but. Let's bring it out of the abstract into the practical right, right. now. Let's say, okay, so in this, actually in this case, I think we should take out uh, Palestine, the Palestinians. I'd wipe but, them but out, But yeah. that's, that's my opinion. I don't but know let's why say, Israel, let's say, let's say I know, actually I do let's know Let's say both nations are at fault, right? They're both apostate, covenant breakers, whatever you want to call them, and they're both equally wrong. As Americans... Yeah, we stay out. Okay, that's, that's what I was looking for. But, okay, so that's... Up until the point where, I, it depends on what we're talking about. If we're talking about the removal of the Jewish people, which is their the Hamas, that is like in their charter to drive them into yep. the into the ocean, like wipe yep. them out. Right. I would say this. I would. I'd make this argument for any nation. Yeah. Like we're like, not like going to go. Yeah. We're not going to go there. But on the other hand, or if like Egypt and Iran and Syria, they all converge. Yeah. Yep. Right. We, I believe we need to go down there and make sure that doesn't happen for a number of reasons. One of them is because of the promises to Abraham. I do think we, as a quote-unquote Christian nation, people that are uh, at least at one point believe the Bible, that we should recognize that covenant that God made and promise he made to Abraham, recognizing that they may have brought this on themselves because of the covenant, not just in general covenant, they don't receive Christ, but like literally they're worshiping Baal now if, all of a sudden. If, would, we, would we want to get in God? Now, I agree with you in case of genocide. I'm not a big let's police the world guy. No, all, I'm not but, either. But, but like, if they're going to wipe them out, yeah, I say we come to the raid, you know, as we would any but other nation that we're fight, in alliance If with, they pick a fight, but, then I don't think we, I think we stay out of it. Yeah, but what if, so what if God's using those nations to judge them yes. because they're covenant breakers? I'm sure which it is. They're not, and, yeah. and we, and we get in the way of God's I believe he is doing that right but, now. But are we getting in the way of God's plans? Now, again, that's. It's yes and yes. It's, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's like, how do I put this? It's like, I'm trying to give the revert, like, you, so like. I said this, and this gets into my view of end times and so forth. I'm just going to say this. I believed God raised up Donald Trump to be the president. I, don't, I, I mean, we know that theologically, but I mean for a specific purpose, right? I also believed he was going to fail. I did not believe at any point America was going to be great again. I believe America is going to collapse. So I believe, but I still supported him. I still voted for him. Gave money to him, would do it again in a heartbeat, even though I knew that the plan of God, I don't believe in end times prophecy, you read much of anything of the United States. We're not even mentioned. We're not even hinted at. Yeah. 
So I don't think we're going to be around. America so is not the I'm trying to make a point here. Is like, so was by me supporting Trump, was I going I against the plan of God? No. It's like you know to do right, even though if God in this cosmic mind. But, but you supported him. Because he was doing the right yeah, thing. Yeah, I believe whereas, he's doing the right thing. Whereas Israel is not, not covenantally. So, it, well, there, there's, but, there's that issue of their salvation and so forth. But if they're not... Um, in other words, I believe that that, that, that land is for, is for them. That we should support them maintaining that land. That's different than endorsing... Uh, whatever the heresy is or whatever the apostate things that they're doing or encouraging them to oppress anybody or to do anything like that. So it's like two different issues. God could be, God is judging them. They are under judgment right now. There are hundreds of rockets, thousands now in the last week that have went up and, and many of them have hit. Hundreds of them have landed yep. and hit, right? That nation will never ever again until Christ returns until there's a revival there they will never have peace they're under constant judgment because of their apostasy they're not that is not a land of peace it really and there's been periods where there wasn't periods where there was contingent upon their obedience and so forth but what I'm saying is like just we should not it's like we're not to play God like our like it's their land. We believe, you know, those that believe this say God's the one who set this. Our job is to respect that, right? If He's going to run them out, that doesn't mean we participate in running them out. Yeah. It doesn't mean that and we. I think I th okay. So we we agree on the outcome, but the basis of our actions are different. You would say the land is a promise to them. To where I would say that ethnic. it's all been fulfilled in Christ. There's no, there's no point because the land. So was, should, I would say the land was a picture. Should Christians go in right now and run them all out? No, and then, no, because. But then the pro, then who's that promise to? So, so, so yeah, it's, so that would be would that say, would be my question and, and what I posed earlier. Like should we set up? But no, yes, no, 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 no. the Christian the land the land is I would say the land is as relevant as the temple is and will be. I'd say it's as relevant as animal sacrifices was and will be that there is no need for it. Now, just because that's the case doesn't mean we run them up because that is the land that they have laid claim to. I, I wouldn't say it's you know, I would say it's in the province of God to sustain them so that there could be a mass conversion of the Jews in the future. And I don't want to be misconstrued, and, and I, I do support Israel, um, especially when it's in contrast to a, a neighboring uh, group that is hostile to humanity, not just God, but right. everything that's right. right. So no, Islam is but, a wicked, very wicked thing. But I, and anything, I would say the land was a—it was a picture. Can't, you know, it was a picture of Christ. The whole point of it was for so a then people, we run a into place we, to dwell. I know you want to wrap up. I can tell. Well, but we, yeah, because then you question, run into this issue of like, was the land ever relevant? Yes, and, at and the time. Then the promise—it's like you, I feel like we're trying to have it both ways here because it's like that land was told was promised to somebody. Well, that, that's that was my question to you: is, is why why? But we're the obedient ones, so why don't why can't we as because, Christians? Because the land's been fulfilled. The land promised that's was, the in Joshua. It was already fulfilled. He in Solomon's time and in Joshua's time, God said, 
I promised this to you, I gave it to you. He, he also gave circumcision. He promised it, he gave it, and it was fulfilled, and now it's no longer necessary. That, that land is not necessary for any, uh, I, I don't see any, like, because he fulfilled it the same way he did circumcision and the ceremonial things, I, I see that as a national, uh, timely, how do I put this? It, it was basically for that time in the same way that circumcision, all the, the, the sacrifice. Well, there was a lot that was else. established in that land too, such it, as yeah. the temple and right. which established right. and, a place of worship, a place of God's presence. What about the laws? They're what just, about the civil laws? Yeah, that's, that's another. I, th I think that we should be implementing the Mosaic civil laws because I see them continued in the New, te in the New Testament. Now, because, you know, I, I see more of a continuity. I think I would see more of a continuity between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant than, than most. I don't go all the way, right? I'm not a pedo baptist although some try to persuade me to be that way. But I do see that continuity um, opposed to a discontinuity. And there are discontinuities. There are contrasts between, you know, the New Covenant is called a better covenant. Um, and what I have a tough time doing is, it just goes back to what I said earlier, is why is the one promise to that? Like when there's several promises to Abraham, we're called heirs with Abraham. So then why is that one? So, so I mean, I would go to the point, and this is probably where like, I need to study a little bit more, but I, I, I think based off of my other understandings, I would fall on the side of it's been fulfilled <laughs> so we don't have to take it over. But if we believe that the land promise is still relevant today, then like I would say it's ours, not yeah, and and not just like I'd say all by believers, God America. all believers, yeah, not not America, well, right? Like America, America, we don't need another um, crusade or what? Right. What was it where we took off west? Crusades. What was that called? Yeah. yeah. So we don't need another one of those making treaties and then breaking them, so, scalping people. But this, so we're gonna end. We all believe there's one people of God. That's right. Through Jesus Christ, and if you're not in Him, you're out. You're out. You're going to hell. You, you get all the promises. We, do so we need a witness to hell. We do need the witness right. to all people. That's right. And we hope that this long and lengthy and beneficial good uh, podcast helps you to put Jesus in the perspective. We may need to do a part two. This is good, guys. It's all really. Right. We, uh, we're going to bring Simon next time and so, my brother. So it's evil. So, so, so I get the advantage. I don't care. Bring all the heretics you want. <laughs> All right, church, go out and honor God in all that you do. Observe the things that he has commanded, provide to the needs of others, and extend the offer that's been extended to you. Peace. Boom. Godspeed.